So I'm going to get into the text. I'm going to start off with Luke 13, Luke chapter 13. And just to give you a little setup of what's going on in this book of Luke at this particular time in the, the chapters, Luke chapter 13 is filled with conversations surrounded around repentance. Luke 1 Luke chapter 13, verses 1 through 9, start off with the phrase, the little title, repent or perish. So throughout the book, the, the, the chapter, Luke chapter 13, Jesus is having these encounters with individuals that are basically going back and forth with him, asking the questions like, are we saved? Are we good? No, because we're not like those sinners over there. So we good. And Jesus is like, nope, if you don't repent, you too going to perish. So it's an interesting text because it is talking about our salvation. And how do we know that we're saved? How do we know that us believing in God, like how do we know if it's enough? Like how do I know I'm good? Anybody ever asked that question? How do I know if I'm good? Like I know I, mean, I go to church on Sunday. You know, I read my Bible. I try not to cuss. So am I safe? Am I good, Lord? A lot of us ask that question because sometimes it's like, mm -mm. and when you read what I'm about to read, it can be a little daunting, like, oh, my God, there's no hope. So I want you to prepare your hearts. Um, I want you to prepare your hearts to receive what God has to say this morning. But I also want you to prepare your heart and your mind to position yourself to understand that there is something that is required of us as believers. It goes past just believing. The Bible says that even the demons believe. So that means there's something that is required of us that we kind of got to go a little on further in order to make sure that our salvation is secure. Amen. So Luke chapter 13 Starting at verse 22, it says this. Then Jesus went through the towns and villages, teaching as he made his way to Jerusalem. Someone asked him, Lord, are only a few going to be saved? He said to them, make every effort to enter through the narrow door. Because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to. Once the owner of the house gets up and closes the door, you will stand outside knocking and pleading, sir, open the door for us. But he will answer, I don't know you or where you come from. Then you will say, we ate and drank with you and taught in our streets. But he, reply, he will reply, I don't know you or where you come from, away from me. All you evildoers, there will be weeping there and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all of the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves thrown out. People will come from far as east and the west and north and south and will take their places at the feast in the kingdom of God. Indeed, there are those who are last, who will be first, and the first will be last. That's kind of heavy, ain't it? 
Y'all feel that? All right, let's go sit in it. <laughs> I want to give some context behind this parable of what Jesus is talking about. Anytime Jesus spoke in a parable, there was some historical context behind the text. So the individuals that he would have been talking to would have had an understanding of the cultural references that Jesus was talking about. Now, the particular city that Jesus would have been referencing was the city called Bathsheen. It was in Rome. And Rome was known for their grandeur roads and chariots and columns. So in order to enter the city, the roads had to be wide because they just wanted people to see their strength and their power. So they just made everything big. So when you were walking in, you was like, whoa, it's a lot. So when Jesus was talking about wide is the road and narrow is the path that leads to life, he's referencing a particular cultural thing that the individuals that were listening to him would know about. And in Matthew chapter 7, verse 13, it also talks about the same context of the, the wide road and the narrow door. And what would happen is after a certain period of time, the city gates would close. So when Jesus is referencing there's coming a time where the door will be shut, he's referring to a particular place that if the doors were closed, if the city gates were closed, they knew that they could go through these little doors to get back into the city after the gates had been closed. So when Jesus is saying this reference, and then he ties it back to the kingdom and says, but there's coming a time when the door will be shut and you won't be able to make it in. You'll bang on the door and say, Lord, let us in. We, we, we prophesied and we prayed with people and we went to church and we did all these things. Let us in. It's like, nah. Now, hearing that is kind of like, okay, so where does that leave me? Where am I in that? How do I know that I'm on the inside? How do I know I'm not the person banging on the door? Where does that leave us? And it causes us to take some self-reflection and contemplate, okay, God, where do I fit in? And it is important that we do that. Amen. So now I want to go to, I want to go to a picture that God painted for me as I was preparing for this text because my heart's posture is that, Lord, your people would understand your word and understand the plan and your will for their life, that they would live a life pleasing to you, that they don't have to worry about their salvation. So he gave me this. I'm going to play a video for you. And then y'all going to see why all of this makes sense. All right? Y'all going on a journey? All right, let's go. <laughs> so as you all know, I'm from Atlanta. And just to give you some context, that is exactly how Atlanta TSA is. Um, you might get your feelings hurt if you're a little sensitive. Because, because they are rude, like they talk like that. I've seen them do that to elderly people, and I'm like, bruh, like, come on. Like, we don't have patience. Like, come, what is your respect? <laughs> and God began to give me this, this analogy, this metaphor of the proper requirements and what's necessary 
when we are flying. Raise your hand if you've ever been to an airport and you ever flew before. You went through TSA. Okay, okay, you can put your hand down, all right. Now, raise your hand if you've ever been to a game that you had to go through a metal detector, a courthouse, whatever it may have, you had to go through some type of security checkpoint. All right, I think that's everybody, so we in good company. So you'll understand this reference. In order to gain access through, you have to remove some things. You have to be willing to take off some stuff. You have to be willing to throw away that 10-piece wings, extra crispy, <laughs> that you got from one of your favorite restaurants as you're headed to the airport. These individuals will be standing there looking at you like, sir, you can't bring that through here. And that Sprite that's cold, that you just waiting to, to, to drink it once you get through because everything in the airport costs so much. And they're telling you, <clears throat> you got to throw that away. Now, you can take the approach and say, I ain't throwing nothing away. Probably going to miss your flight. But the point that I want to convey this morning is that there are things that are required of us in order to enter in. And if TSA has requirements in order for us to get access to our flight, then that means the kingdom has to have requirements in order for us to truly be secure in our salvation. Which means that, yeah, it's going to be uncomfortable, some things that God requests of us to throw away. It's going to be some things that you don't want to get rid of, that you want to hold on to, that God is like, nope, you're going to have to give it up. So I want you to follow. I want you to track with me. I kind of want to go through the different kinds of people. And if you, if you hear yourself, just say, ouch, that we kind of see going through TSA. You know, you got the person that has been being yelled at, take everything off. I'm good. I don't know about y'all, but I'm good. I don't need to take nothing off. And just go through. And they're like, sir, did you not hear our instructions? What do you have on you that you need to take off? All right. Let's see. I got, I got a pen. Did we not say empty out your pockets? What else you got in here? I got some food. I can't take that through. I got some pills. Uh, okay, I think I'm good. Sir, we said empty out everything. Y'all following me right now? That's okay, I gotta go back through. In order for us to make it through the narrow door, there is a constant pruning that has to take place. Now, this metal detector is the equivalent to our salvation. Because the narrow door that Jesus is talking about is salvation. I want us all to be clear on that. Salvation. So in order for us to pass through, we have to be willing to let go of some stuff. There might be some baggage that you got that you holding on to that cannot come through with you. It might be some baggage that it's like you can't make it carrying this. 
God needs you to be willing to let whatever this represents go. For some, it may be pride. It may be hurt. It may be insecurities. It may be whatever you want to fill in the blank. In order for you to get through, you cannot bring this with you. But are you more attached to this than your father? Do you have such a tight grip on it that when God is like, let it go, you're like, no, I'm going to hold on. Because God is going to require some things of us on this journey. Now, for some, it's like, okay, I got my wallet. Okay, what does my wallet have? What does my wallet represent? Am I willing to let go of my security? My financial security? Is that what has a hold on me? That when God asks to me to give in a particular area of my life, I'm like, nah, we, you're not getting that. No, Lord, not putting that in the bin. Mm-mm. My identity is wrapped up into this. Or is it your ID, your identification? Are you willing to say, Lord, in the kingdom, I'm a son. I'm just a son. You could care less that I'm young black African-American male, pastor, soon-to-be husband. You don't care about any of that. You see me as a son. Am I willing to let go all of these other different titles and place it in the band? Am I willing to say whatever it is that I got that I'm clinging on to, that I'm trying to not pass through, am I willing to say, Lord, okay, I'm going I'm to just take it all. I'm gonna, is, is it my car? Because I want to look good. You know, I want people to validate me when I pull up. Is it that? Am I willing to say, okay, God, you get it all so I can walk through and not go off? The interesting thing about this process is that some in this journey, we'll stand back and judge and say, well, you knew you should have took that off. What you mean? You know you can't get through the airport with that. What is wrong with you? You got a whole knife. And I'm finna put my brother on the spot. When we had our trip to Africa, bread, big bro bread, cornbread, bread had these souvenirs that we had got. Bread got caught up at TSA because they're like, sir, you can't, you can't go through with this. You got to check that in. Bread was like, but it's my walking stick. It's, it's for my... <laughs> I love you, Brody. And they had to tell him, sir, you're going to have to check that in. And Bread was like, all right. So we had to wait. All of us and already got through. We sitting back like, bro, come on, what you doing, Bread? But there are things that we are going to have to let go. And in that process, everybody's journey is a little different because you have some that it may be taking them a little while to get all of their stuff off. You know, they, it may take a little minute to take your shoes off. And we would judge those and say, you holding up the line, hurry up and get through. Just because you think you have arrived. And... Because the metal detectors are designed to detect metal, 
we think we're good because we didn't go off. Everything's off now, right? And there are some of us in the kingdom or in the church or in the world that say, okay, I'm good now. <laughs> I can do whatever I want to do. I done made it through. I ain't got to, you know, God, I'm good. I'm saved now. And I got baptized. You know what I'm saying? I go to church. I don't even have to, I'm good. That's all I got to do. Check the box, check the box. We good. And God is like, no, you're not. Because the text says this in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 7, it says, but if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. So just because I've made it through, per se, like I said, I'm going to church and I'm doing these different things and I've given up some stuff in my life and in my journey with God, there's still more that's required of me. And it is a heart posture toward God that, hey, none of us have arrived because none of us are perfect. We are constantly walking this journey out. But the most important part is that we are walking toward the light, the one, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. So that means that when I'm in traffic and somebody cuts me off or does something that I deem as stupid and I say some words I shouldn't say, Cussing, just to make it clear, just in case y'all was wondering. And my wife-to-be tells me, baby, that ain't right. That ain't right. And I say, but I feel this way. And that's not right. You're a Christ representative. You're a representation of Christ. That's not the way we handle situations. I have to be willing to say, okay, Lord, let me repent correct my behavior, and let that go. Let me, let, me, let me try my best to walk in the opposite direction of that mindset. My response can't be, well, I'm just like this. I, you know, you crossed me the wrong way, I'm going off. That's how God made me. I got a short temper. I can't sit there because God's like, no, 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 no. You are supposed to be taking a step closer every single day toward the image of Christ. I ain't see Jesus cussing nobody out. Even when he got anger, it was a righteous anger, but it was the way he went about it because he understood that he must be a full representation of his father who was in heaven. And we are called to do the exact same thing. So we can't go on thinking as if we got it together that because, you know, we may be on platforms, 
we may be in this position or this title, that we are good, we're clear. It is a constant pruning. It is a constant, Paul says, we are to die daily to our flesh, which means every single day that we wake up, we should be asking God, God, what do you want to cut off today? God, what do I need to get better from today? How can I be better than I was yesterday? Because the reality is none of us will ever reach perfection. But God cares about the heart posture, as Paul says. Brothers and sisters, I have not yet attained it. But I continue to press toward the high mark and the high calling in Christ Jesus. It's a constant work. It's a constant maintenance. And the scripture tells us in the book of Psalms, tells us that even though we might have felt like, okay, okay, I got through the metal detectors. The scripture says in Psalms 139 verses 23 through 24, it says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. We will be arrogant and prideful to again assume that, okay, God, you don't need to search nothing in me. I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'm good. I don't need to change nothing else. So what happens is on this journey through TSA, once you get through here, now, not all airports have this, but for the sake of this illustration, this, this airport got it, all right? So I know some of y'all is like, I got TSA pre-check. I don't have to go through all that. Well, this airport flying Jesus International Airlines, we got that, all right? You got to go through both. So there's a thing called the scanner that you have to go through. And the scanner is very interesting because the scanner picks up everything. <laughs> the scanner is not just looking for metal. It's looking for anything that will alert the TSA agents that you don't need to be carrying on your person or that they need to be concerned about. So nobody is safe. Just putting it out. Nobody, ain't nobody safe. And it's interesting to me because as, as you're going through the scanner, you have to conform to what they tell you to do. Now, after going through, you can say, I ain't going through there. Again, do you want to make it to your destination? Because if not, you, you, you will miss your flight. And they tell you to stand a particular way, put your hands a particular way, and the scan begins to go around your body in a 360 motion, scanning for whatever it is that's on your person. And whatever shows up, it is highlighted in a particular area. So it's like, oh, I thought you said you took your keys out your pocket. Oops, my bad. I'm sorry. Place it in the bin, sir. Okay. That can't come through. See, what you thought you got away with going through the metal detectors is going to come up in the scanner. Now, what happens in the spirit, so let's go kingdom now. The Holy Spirit is doing a 360 scan of us. <laughs> Search me, O oh Lord, 
and tell me what you find. That if there's anything that will hinder us, God is saying remove it. It cannot come with you. I don't care what it is. I don't care what you think. The Bible says, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. That our ways would be more like his ways. So just because I think and feel that I'm good doesn't mean that I am. God is saying, no, take that off too. Take that off too. Until I don't see you anymore. Now, I would assume that a lot of you are sitting in the room like, okay, I hear what you're saying. I got to go through TSA. So I'm going to show up. But what about the stuff that I probably have no control that I can't remove? So you're saying there's no hope for me? Am I just doomed to hell? That's a real thought. That's a real question. A lot of people ask that question. But what, about, what about the areas that I really, really try my best to give to God and I just keep falling in that area? What about me? Is there grace for, or is there hope for me? And yet again, it goes back to the heart posture. Because the Bible says that when Jesus made it very clear, I came so that all would be saved. And all would have eternal life and abundance. That's the reason why I did what I did on the cross. The work that I did was for everybody. But the scripture also says he or she that hath an ear, let him hear. You have to be willing to accept what, is, what Jesus is requiring of you in order to access the salvation that his blood provided for us. Because it is a slap in the face to think that we can do whatever it is that we want to do when he took nails for us, when he took lashes for us, when he was humiliated for us. To think that that would not be something that you got to give up when he gave his life? Who are we? But because of his love and his grace, that as we are scanned, God doesn't see us. He sees his son. Because of what he did on the cross, the blood covers us. So wherever that area on your body that may show up where there is something there that you need to get rid of, guess what? God doesn't see it anymore. He sees his perfect son. His blood covers you. That is why the Bible says that his grace doesn't give us a free pass to keep on sinning and just keep on living however we want to live. But when we have a heart posture to please God, God says, come here. I'm going to cover you in the scan. So when it shows, well, the image that shows up is the finished works of Jesus Christ. And it is only then that we're able to pass through. Not because of ourselves. Not that we can earn salvation. Not that we can do anything to attain it. But it's because of the grace and the love of Jesus Christ. And he loved us enough to give of himself. In love, there are boundaries. In the same way that he loved us and gave of himself, if we say we love him, we are to give of ourselves as well.
to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable in the eyes of God. It's not about us. It's about him. It's not about what we want to do with our lives. Many of us in the room, we could probably be doing more stuff. We could probably be thinking of a thousand things that we could do differently. But a lot of us in this room have said, but for the glory of God, I will submit my will and let thy will be done. And that is where we all have to get to the place of. That is where we have to get to the place of because if our hearts are not right, if we are not serious about our faith, please understand the door of salvation, there will come a time where the door will close. And I know that's a hard truth, but it's the truth. Jesus Christ died on the cross so that all of mankind could be saved, but it's a choice. I get asked this question a lot of time by kids, and they say, hey, Charmaine, um, if I do this, this is, am I going to hell, or, or why would God send me to hell? And I often tell people, God doesn't send us to hell, we choose hell. When we choose to live our lives contrary to the will and the, of God, and we, we deny him, the Bible says, if you deny me before men, then I will deny you before my father. I think that's fair. But again, it's, it's something required of you. Are you willing to give yourself away? Are you willing to submit your will that his will would be done? So God can say, I can use you. You're ready. Come on. Are you willing to lay your life down and say, God, you know what? I always thought my life would look this way. But you know what? I'm going to repent because to repent means to simply change the course of direction that you were headed in. That's what it means to repent. Are you willing to say, Father, I repent? And go in the direction that he has called you to. And his word says, for I have plans to prosper you. I know the plans in the future of your life. Are you willing to say, God, okay, I'm going to give myself to you. I'm going to live a life to the best of my abilities to be an example of Christ. Because if we don't have that mindset daily, we will find ourselves in the positions of those that think they got it together and they think they good. And you will find out quickly, you too will perish according to what the word of God says. These are not my thoughts. These are not my words. This is thus saith the text. And we just have to be willing to take the text for what it is, not what we want it to be. We have to be willing to say, God, my way is not the best way. Your way is. God, you don't make mistakes. You are perfect in your ways. We live in a fallen, sin-sick world. So yes, anything is, anything is possible. But that does not change the purpose and the divine plan and the order that God has set forth in motion. And him knowing the wages of sin and the power of sin, 
He says, you know what? I got to come and break that power, break that stronghold so that my children can have hope. And the only hope is in Jesus Christ. I want to close with this scripture. In Romans 11, verses, uh, verses 11 through 4, 24, 24, Jesus is talking about how we are saved. And there's a word that he uses called grafting. We are grafted in. And what grafting means is the act of placing a portion of one plant into or on a stem, root, or branch of another in such a way that a union will be formed and the partners will continue to grow. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, he grafted us into the kingdom so much to the point that we become one in him. That again, the father no longer sees us in our shortcomings. He sees his son in whom he was well pleased with. When John the Baptist was crying out, hey, repent, repent and be baptized. For the kingdom of heaven is near. He was preparing the way for Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. So when the scripture tells us to repent and be baptized, that is one of the steps that leads us into our salvation. And in a couple of weeks, on May 21st, we're going to have baptisms. Some of you in this room may find yourself in a posture or a position where you say, I don't even believe. I was just invited to church. I just stumbled in here. But, but I want to know more about Jesus. I want to know more about this love that Someone would give their life for me even when I didn't deserve it. If that's you, sign up to be baptized. If you have questions, feel free to ask any person on Forest City Church staff or any volunteers who would be happy to walk you through this journey. If you're the individual that says, I've been in church all my life, but I feel like I kind of strayed away, come home. It's never too late. You're never too far gone. His word says, I leave the 99 for the one. The kingdom of heaven will rejoice over that one. Don't allow the enemy to make you think anything other than that you are loved by God. The Bible says, even while we were yet sinners, he still died for us. He didn't say, y'all got to clean it, get it cleaned up. Y'all got to make sure y'all make it through the, through, through the scanner and the metal detectors before I can come in and help. No, he didn't say that. He says, I love them enough to die while they are yet sinners because the word also says it is the love of God that leads us into repentance. So Christians, it's our responsibility to love. So when we see people struggling to make it through, it's our job to love them. It is our job to love on them that they will begin to shed those things that are not of God. Amen. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your grace. Father, thank you for the grace that allows us to make it through. 
Thank you for the grace that loved us even while we were yet sinners, even while we are yet still sinning and falling short. Thank you for seeing our hearts, Lord. Thank you for the ultimate sacrifice and the greatest display of love that you show for us on Calvary. Lord, we cannot do this without you. Father, teach us how to be better followers and stewards of your word. Teach us how to be better believers. Teach us how to be better image bearers so that all mankind can see the goodness of God through us, that they would follow you. Lord, we honor you and we thank you. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus we pray. Amen.